0: Welcome, everybody, to episode number eight of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Robbie Owens, from the Average Jake Firefighter blog, and we have a really great episode coming today. Uh, Today, we're going to be interviewing Evan Wing, and we're going to be talking about UHP, or ultra-high pressure. Uh, Evan works for HMA, one of the companies that creates these ultra-high pressure uh, firefighting devices, and he also is a firefighter with the Middleton Fire Protection District in Middleton, Wisconsin. It's going to be a really great episode. Evan has a lot of insight and a lot of things to share. They've been doing UHP there for a couple years now. Uh, I don't know exactly how many years. And they uh, host ultra-high-pressure summits in Wisconsin. They've hosted them in other areas, uh, really trying to get the word out uh, on UHP. And the benefits of it. I was grateful to be able to meet Evan when I went to Wisconsin last year for the first ever ultra high pressure summit. Big shout out to Bill Fulton from the ATF who made that all possible. But uh, it's going to be a great, great episode. But before we get into that, I just want to, and I know I've been starting every episode like this, but I really, really want to thank Everybody who continues to give me feedback, who continues to listen to the podcast, who comments on the podcast, who rates it on iTunes, it has been just overwhelming. I know in the grand scheme of things, four or 500 downloads is not a lot in the podcast world, but to me, each one of those downloads and each one of those listens is just I can't even put into words how how it makes me feel. It it makes me just get so excited and so revved up and so passionate for the fire service and I just am so excited. Uh, every time I get to do one of these, and every time I get a notification that someone else has downloaded the podcast, that someone else has liked it, or five started on iTunes, uh, you know, it just really, really, it, it means a lot to me. This is a labor of love for me. It's uh, some of the topics I talk about maybe aren't popular. Some of the topics I talk about are hard to make, especially that legacy versus impact one. But it is something that I really feel that is needed out there. I feel like I offer another perspective in the fire service uh and I just want to share what I know. That's that's the pretty much the mission here. I just want to share what I know and share what I have to say and bring uh you know maybe some things to the fire service that people aren't thinking of, bring some guests or speakers uh to the fire service that people haven't heard of or maybe are not on their radar and just share what I know and what I do and what's been working for me in my fire service career. So again, thank you so much. Uh, specific shout outs, thanks to Chief Peter Lamb uh, from the Firefighter Training Podcast. Uh, Pete has been a mentor th- for me throughout this process. He continually plugs my podcast on his much more popular podcast and emails me and gives me advice. Uh, it is, it just is, is, you know, really, really refreshing uh, to have that kind of mentorship uh, in someone like Pete Lamb. And Steve Green. Uh, from Five Alarm Task Force and Dalmatian Productions, again, another person who's been a mentor for me and just has been n- nothing but supportive, giving me tips, giving me tricks uh, on how to do this podcast thing better. Again, a much more successful podcast uh podcast uh, out there in the fire service. Uh, If you are interested in listening to either one of those podcasts, I've been on two episodes of the firefighter training podcast, and I've now been on two episodes of the five alarm task force. I am the first episode on season three of the five alarm task force podcast. So go over to iTunes or go over to Google and download those and make sure that you five star uh, firefighter training podcast, make sure you five star uh, five alarm task force. And of course, make sure you've, Five star this uh, the average Jake firefighter podcast on iTunes. It is it'll help people know that we're out there and these are guys that I believe in. Their podcast product is second to none, and it's just been very very humbling for them to even mention my name in in the same breath as them. So again, thanks to those guys and thanks to everyone else who continually supports me. It's so many people that I could not name them all in just one podcast. We'd have an hour of just me naming people to thank. But some of the people that I do need to thank are going to be guests on this podcast. So stay tuned for that. And uh, like I said, we're going to be interviewing Evan Wing today about UHP. It's going to be a great interview. Let's get to it. Everybody back to the Average Jake Firefighter podcast. Super excited to have our guest today, Evan Wing. Uh, Got to meet Evan when I went out to Wisconsin for the Ultra High Pressure Training Summit last year. Super knowledgeable and super great training environment. Um, Evan, thank you so much for coming on to want to talk about UHP, which can be a pretty controversial topic in the fire service these days, especially when we're talking about it in conjunction with all the other controversial topics in the fire service, such as transitional attack, aggressive interior attack, all of these things. And then UHP comes along and adds a whole nother thing into the mix. So again, thank you for coming on the Average Jake Firefighter podcast. It's great to see you and great to hear from you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Robbie. I and mean, I've been, you know, I've been a fan of the podcast. Uh, you know, I think I was, I was on another podcast, heard it. And obviously when we met about a year ago and I heard you started recording these, I kind of binged, listened to them. I've got a, I've got a nice commute in the morning. So I've, uh, I'm a fan. So it's good. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good stuff that's made me think about kind of my role, not only just within the fire service, but also how I can apply it at home. You know, your impact versus legacy episode was awesome. And I can relate to so much of that stuff, too. And especially when you talk about like mentorship, whether it's formal or informal, you know, you just look around and you can find mentors all over the place. And it doesn't need to be this established relationship. Um, but I think everything, you know, it's we want to be able to get help and we want to be able to ask and feel comfortable doing so. So I appreciate you going out and kind of putting yourself out there and laying that all the
0: line because I've, I've definitely benefited from listening to this show. Well, thank you very much. Like I said, it's a labor of love for me. I, I really enjoy doing this. And this is it's kind of exactly what we're talking about today is we're trying to bring new ideas and new people that maybe people have never heard of. Uh, Mm -hmm. into the into the fire service forefront you know and like especially like UHP it's something that I had never been too exposed to until I got to come to Wisconsin and I had seen Bill Fulton's stuff and then I got to meet all you guys and you guys are Mm. you know like bought into the UHP concept and it works and and you know at least for what I have seen and experienced that it works and so we're uh, I'm just really excited to bring this to the forefront and of course like anything else we're probably going to have some naysayers but Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, maybe it's not for everybody, but I think it's got its place in the fire service and that's why yeah. I wanted to talk about it. So before well, we get to oh, oh, go sorry, ahead, bro. no, go right ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm
1: just going to say a lot of it too is, you know, we'll probably talk about this again at some point, but we've just been extremely lucky on Middleton. Um, you know, old HMA started in Middleton, which is where chief Aaron Harris kind of, uh, was able to be introduced to it about 10 plus years ago. So if you haven't had the chance to, to listen or see any of uh, chief Harris's videos out there, that guy is the de facto expert on ultra-high-pressure application and you know, on the science side as well, just because he's been looking at data for, for 10 years now. So we're all extremely lucky that that man is our chief. So Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, so let's get into it. Um, yeah. So t- give us a, a little bit of a background on you, uh, sure, how you got involved in all this stuff, your stuff in Middleton, and just and just give us a background. Tell us, everybody, tell us who Evan Wang is. <laughs> nice.
1: Uh, well, uh, I was born in July. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, I, uh, I moved to... Uh, Wisconsin back in 2008. My wife is from the town of Middleton. So we met in Chicago uh, when we were living in the city and decided to move back uh, to start our family. And, you know, I've been in banking my entire career. I'm a recovering banker, as I like to joke. But, you know, I'd never lived in an area where there was a volunteer fire department. And so when we moved to Middleton, and I I heard about that, in my mind, it was, you know, I've always been running to to the scene to help with something. If something bad gets happened, someone's getting picked on, et cetera. So I just kind of a natural, let's go check this thing out. So I went down to the station. Um, They weren't doing an academy class uh, at that time, but kind of applied. And then a couple years later, I get a call from chief Harris and he says, Hey, still interested in, in you know becoming a certified firefighter? I said, well, absolutely. You know, since I was a little kid, I guess. So, um, went down in 2012, joined the department. Um, again, my the bank that I worked at it was only, you know, about a quarter mile away. So the last few years of my banking career, I was really close. So I was able to spawn respond quite a bit during the daytime, and just, you know it, you know what it's like. I mean you become family with everybody on there. And, you know, we've since moved to another municipality just West. So, um, but you know, that's, that's still my family. I would, I would never consider leaving Middleton um, and, you know, you're able to, to make calls um, just you know, when you're able to. So, but I think more than where I was introduced to HMA was 2012, obviously when I joined Chief Harris was about four years in, in Middleton in general, because um, like you said, the department has realized that is it's a very valuable tool in a toolbox. So I've been using it since 2012. Um, we're very comfortable using it um, on pretty much any type of fire. So we know its limitations. You know, it's not going to ever replace a deck gun. You know, that can throw water extremely long distances. but um but yeah again we realize kind of uh, what it is and, and how powerful the tool is and i'm sure we'll get into that but how i came to hma um you know it's about there was the company was going to be heading in, in a bit of a new direction and about say about maybe four to five months ago um i started talking with the owner and, and he said hey we're, would you ever think about coming on board and uh, it was a very easy decision uh, i've Like I said, to be able to combine kind of a passion, something that kind of always just came naturally of wanting to help, along with the the business banking side of things, you know, been doing commercial banking in various forms for about fourteen years. So I love the business side. I love the relationship building side. I love numbers, I love data, but also at the same time my aptitude test in high school was, you know, cop or military other type of some type of service. So to be able to combine all those things and come in and be a part of a manufacturing company that, you know, if you look at what ultra high pressure is, and you know, HMA started it like well over ten years ago through a lot of different um, testing at Tyndall Air Force Base and their fire research division. Um, so you look at a lot of the testing and the validation. You know, so to be able to come into a company here at the growth point of an industry that we think has a significant amount of growth. Somewhat disruptive. Right. I mean, we talked about that. It's very controversial. But, you know, I don't mean to discredit any of my banking you know, friends, but there's a bank on every corner, no matter where you go. So to be able to come in here and to really be at the beginning of something and I say beginning, knowing that it's 10 years old, but I got an email from a chief not too long ago and he said, well, you know, two things that firefighters hate one, the way things are and two, change. And that just made me, you know, laugh. So it's 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 a slow to adopt, but but we obviously have a nice head of steam, so we're we're hoping that things turn out the way that we want them to.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's tremendous. And like you said. That is just a, that's an amazing story of like how coming from banking and and because that's like the complete opposite of, of me. Like I came from a fire service family. My dad is a firefighter. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother's a firefighter. My sister didn't want to be one. So she married one. Um, you know, my my wife's involved in emergency management. So it's just I come from that service. And it's just so great to see that that sense of service, it exists in people that are even not exposed to the fire service. So that that is a right. tremendous, tremendous thing to see uh so let's get into the to the UHP stuff Mm, sure one of the things and one of the constant detractors or or biggest things that you hear about with UHP is we've already done that in the fire service and what they're always talking about is those old John Beam high pressure pumps yes always that is like that is the thing that comes up the exact like I know last year when I was getting ready to come out to Wisconsin and people like what are you going to Wisconsin for I'm going for this ultra high pressure training summit And they're like, is it you mean like John Beam stuff or you mean like European fire tactics? I was like, I don't really know. I've only read a little bit about it. But that's the thing you constantly hear is it's we've already done that in the fire service. It's already failed. Tell me what UHP is, how it works and why it's different than this John Beam stuff and and why it's different even than some of the European stuff that we constantly see. Sure. No.
1: Yeah. And those are all, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think, you know, if, if I start looking at the pump and like you said, just kind of make a basic overview of what U UHP is, is NFPA defines ultra high pressure as anything above or coming out of the nozzle at a, at or above 1100 PSI. Our systems will not allow water to flow at higher than 1850 PSI. That, that's HMA's system. And what we found is, is that's because at 1850, that's when skin starts about to break. So imagine yourself that you're on a vehicle fire and that stream comes up, you know, through and hits another person on the side or a victim itself. We don't wanna do any more damage to people, right? So at 1450 PSI, that's when water leaves our pump. You know, through friction loss, going through 200 feet of ultra high pressure hose line, which is a hydraulic hose line, you're gonna get about 1250 at the nozzle. And so, you know, the science of it is the water moving that quickly at that ultra high pressure is that it as it leaves the orifice of the nozzle, it's about one sixty fourth the size of a drop of coming off of a smooth bore. All right. So what that equates to is more surface area. Um, Chief Harris does a great experiment, uh, visualize uh, three cups of water. And what he does is he takes three different types of ice, you know, chipped ice or crushed ice an ice cube and then something that's even bigger call like a, like something you put in like a glass of whiskey. I, I always revert to alcohol. You know, to fire- yeah, it, right? we're talking exactly. to
0: firefighters here. So the alcohol is going to be yes, a definite right? thing we can understand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's my adaptation of it there. So, but think about that. Those, the crushed ice, the smaller ice is going to melt significantly faster than the large chunk. So it's the concept of surface area is that water is being used significantly more efficiently than larger droplets. Well, upwards of 95%, call it 90 to be conservative, of the water flowing from an HMA UHP system is being used. And you can see that in some of the videos that we have out there, is that you can see the water vapor hanging after from an interior attack where there's a, out of a window or something. You can see the water vapor just hanging there. And so I think that's a good visualization. That's kind of what it is. We're trying to use more of the water itself and put less water damage on the floor or just not being used. I think you know, five to 10% of, you know, water being flowed from a smooth bore or even probably a little bit less than on, a, on an auto fog. I should say more water is being used on an auto fog. Cause that's the concept, right? Smaller water droplets, yeah. um, less water, more water damage there. And again, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, Hey, We don't care about water damage. We want to save the victim. Well, we do too, all right? So we can get into steam and a little bit of everything there and some of what the studies from UL have done. But to get back to your original question, what's the difference between HMAs, UHP, or UHP and an old John? We're about double the pressure. I think, you know, because I never used it because I'm not 60 or 70. Is that the John Bean pumps? They were flowing probably around eight to nine hundred psi, maybe at the pump. So as it goes through that booster reel, you know, they're maybe in that mid-range of high pressure. Um, but it's also going through a booster reel, which I think is a big distinction that people lump together when they see us using a very agile hose line. Is that our ultra high pressure lines? They have a three-quarter inch metal braid on the inside. So it's, it's what you would see on any type of construction equipment as well. It's a hydraulic line. So very much more puncture resistant. It's much more easy to use. Um, but I guess that's more events conventional versus the, the John Bean style. But I think if you look at some of the independent studies that were done by, you know, Special Agent Fulton uh, during his CFI Canada project, we had one where there were two hose lines in a, uh, in, in a training burn. And there was a UHP line as well. Both those conventional lines failed around 1300 degrees Fahrenheit, and the UHP line that was tested is still in service today. So it can withstand temperatures that are significantly higher and, you know, obviously going to be protecting any type of crew that's advancing. And I'd love to see some more studies on that as well. But from the studies and, and the temperatures and the timestamps that we've looked at, um, you know, that, that's a big difference. And I would even say a lot of people say, hey, they've been doing that you know, over in Europe as well, but they haven't. Um, ultra high pressure is something that is newer than that. But it, they're using, again, kind of that mid to high uh, or maybe even mid low to mid area of high pressure. But I think their tactics can be a little bit more of penciling. I think where they open a door that's contained more of like a basement fire, you know, shoot off a spray of water, then shut the door and kind of let it work, then go back in to make fire attack. Where you kind of touched on it before you know, the transitional attacks, um, you know, we we'll, we're very comfortable taking it interior, but if you can, you know, a lot of the UL studies, you know, the phase three, where they had a whole bunch of training experience come out in early 17, they talked a lot about transitional attacks, exterior, and whether or not you're doing an exterior and an interior, it's the amount of time that you're able to transition between those. So the speed of attack is extremely important. And I think that's where a lot of this is, is you know, if you watch some of the videos, you know, we're able to move around the fire ground significantly more. The person that's backing that guy up, they've got – their job is really just to manage the hose line versus trying to take off some of that nozzle pressure. So long, long-winded answer for that, so I apologize. But uh, at a high level, I think that's kind of the answer to the question.
0: Oh, no, that was, that was completely perfect. And, and you brought up some great points. You, you brought up that experiment. Uh, And I remember, of course, sitting there in in Middleton watching that experiment. And Mm -hmm. it it really was a great, great visual. It's something that especially as we start to learn more about water. And that is one of the things I learned a ton about UHP when I was there. But Mm -hmm. I learned so much about water and how Mm -hmm. water is really doing when we put that stream in. And it's starting to, you know come back in these ul ul studies where they're talking about using the smoothbore nozzles and that water that's passing through the heat layer striking mm-hmm. these superheated objects it's not getting absorbed it's getting heated and possibly falling on victims and scalding them and that's not what's happening in uhp that's that is complete i mean like i you know again used it interior used it exterior and i was very lucky that i got to do all I mean, Chief Harris was tremendous in letting uh, me participate in almost yep. every burn. Even if I wasn't on the hose line, he was like, "Yeah, come stand next to me," <laughs> uh, you know. So, so, and so, I was where the action was for I would say ninety percent of the burns. I came out because I had to do because I had to change my air bottle, and then yeah. I came out again right before because I had to check into accountability before I was on the attack team. So that sure. was the only times I was outside. Uh, And I got to see all these things you were talking about flowing this, this ultra high pressure line and people think that maybe fire or smoke will get pushed on you. I never had that happen to me. Not saying it won't happen because we know through UL and through all these things that if you have a flow path and you have a, 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 you know, that it could happen. It never happened to me. And I tried to put myself in positions where I would see that or I would experience it and it didn't happen. And you're talking about water damage. I, I mean, I flowed a line into a room, went interior and flowed it for a good thirty seconds and the room the fire was out, and the room was dry right so i mean it was tr- it was just tremendous the impact that this stuff had um so no, I thought your answer was was completely uh completely great and, and nice. it really explains it um, yeah, a
1: couple things you know yeah, you you touch on too the, the times in my career that i've that I've felt really hot. I mean, we, we burn hot, we train hot, but you know, if you're on the wrong side or if you're on the exhaust side of a wind driven fire, and like you said, if you're in the flow path, I don't care what nozzle you're flowing, it's going to be hot. Right. And yeah, absolutely. I think a big point on there, we talked with the agility and kind of uh, everything else, but UL talked about flowing as you go, you know, and the difference between if you're in one position and you flow and then you advance and I, I'm forgetting some of the data on there, but it makes me remember, you know, I was in uh, more or less, we got called out of a station. Um, it was a lunchtime call and our rapid attack, our, uh, our MTAC one Middleton tactical one, it's, it's a Ford F550 that has UHP on it as well. It's got a bumper turret, dual hand lines. It's just kind of something that we've, that, you know, was dreamed up and we're able to make a reality, but we, um actually no i think that was on that was still at that point we didn't have mtech one it was it was middleton car one so still ultra high pressure uh line we left within i would say 30 seconds of the engine and it was about a mile and a half away from the station and it was a structure fire in the basement so we showed up on scene. flames were coming out of the garage and i was on the attack line and flowing towards that garage as i was moving towards it, i was closing that distance moving the nozzle because you want to move it, right? It's surface here. You want to paint that room. And the farther away, the, the tighter your stream. As you get closer, you're opening up more on that, uh, that fog pattern. But was able to flow and cool that oven before I made entry. And then we were able to navigate ourselves down into the basement for, for you know, complete knockdown and, and extinguishment by the time we were coming back up the stairs, you know, our engine was just about done, you know, flaking out that, that 200 foot of AAA. And, you know, we're always, I want to say this, we're always going to roll the engine. We're not saying that we should not roll the engine, but if I can get there faster with a pickup truck, a rapid attack, quick attack truck, and I can flow water on it first, the homeowner is not going to care. Hey, hold on. Wait for that engine that's coming before you flow water, you know? And it's just, it's that, it's that mentality of it's better to flow water than just to let it burn. You know, the engine is still coming. If, if, we, if we need it, if we need the deck gun if we need more hand lines, let's do it. But say that was on the seaside. Why not just drive to the back? You know, why not commit to the seaside, you know, versus having to stretch the line and then make fire attack from there? It's going to save your firefighters energy. And you're going to be able to do, you know, like I said, you're going to be able to start that fire attack a lot faster. And we know that time is the biggest the biggest thing that we can't control. So get there faster, I'm sorry, if we can control it, that's something that's just going to make a difference on, you know, those gases spreading and fire growing. We know that fire grows quickly. So get there faster, put water on it.
0: Yeah. well, And you bring up some great points about the ease. I know, and, and I don't want to say easy when it comes to firefighting, right? Because it's a dynamic situation. It's completely, you know, like, like, I mean, there's nothing easy about going into a fire, but I know for me, I guess what, I, what I've been telling people is that it took – using that UHP line and that three-quarter-inch braided line and, and being mm-hmm. able to, to hold that, you know, it took the fight out mm-hmm. of firefighting. Like, I wasn't fighting. Like, I, I didn't have to, you know, drag this heavy line and, and like, need I didn't need a backup person. I mean, right. I just drug the line through, opened the nozzle, and I wasn't out of breath. I wasn't tired. I could have done it a hundred times, and mm-hmm. but, so, like I said, I don't want to say easy because I don't think there's anything easy about what we do. But like <laughs> I said, it definitely was less of a fight. I didn't right. feel like I was whipped. I didn't feel like I needed yeah. to take a break after holding, you know, back, you know, 150 pounds of nozzle reaction, uh, you know. So I definitely think it's easy. And so you touched a little bit as well on the deployment, the speed of it. Mm-hmm. Delve Del into more of that. And you talked about the MTAC one. Give me mm. the, give me the, I guess the history and what makes how you guys use you, because, you know, any fire department could add one of these onto their fire trucks. But what I think makes Middleton unique is how you guys are actually deploying this system out into your fire district. So you touched on it a little bit, but but delve deeper into that and how you guys came up with this deployment model.
1: Sure, absolutely. And I, and I want to, you know... I, want to make a couple of things clear too, is you know obviously I'm, I'm, I'm probably talking more on the, on the Lieutenant side or the Middleton side. Obviously I wear two hats and I got to, you know, want to make sure that I'm wearing my HMA hat or kind of let people know that I'm coming from two spots. So it's important that the way that you know, I say, we you use the term, the Royal we in one of your episodes, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lumping myself into a lot of very smart people that came into this. Um, and a lot of our battalion chiefs, assistant chiefs, and even you know, firefighters, everyone that can be on a committee, they can help brainstorm how to protect our district. I think that's what's really special about, uh, about our department. I'm sure there's a lot out there that are the same way, but we're a very positive department, and we want to figure out what's the best way to protect our community. And, you know, one of the ideas that Chief Harris and everyone else and Time Chief Schluter and, and everyone else, um, how do we get there faster? And so I think that's where the idea of ultra-high pressure really came in in, in HMA's units were. We can get there quicker. So we started putting them on to pickup trucks, you know, Chevy Silverado 2500s, the F550. So we have satellite stations now. We've got three stations and we have an ultra high pressure unit at the two. And we have, you know, uh, tenders and engines and other apparatus out in our and that covers the town of Middleton. But the idea of we don't want people that are responding to the station to have to pass the fire on the way to the station, get their gear and then come back. So the idea of having these remote locations where someone can come in, grab into, you know, a beefed up quick attack truck with an HMA or a UHP system on it to go and actually make um, fire attack a lot quicker. It's how can we get there faster? So just kind of more the satellite ideas. We had one call where we had Motion X up. And we saw three of our rapid response vehicles on scene before the engine was, and they were coming from opposite ends of the district. It's just, you know, a pickup trucks just going to get there faster. But to answer your question about uh, MTAC-1 is, like I said, that's been just the, the culmination of years of our fire commission, which is extremely supportive. Um, but the, the MTAC-1 is it's a PTO driven system that has a bumper mounted turret on the front. So it flows 45 gallons per minute of ultra high pressure. So we can show up on scene. We've got a thermal imaging camera on the roof. So within, within seconds, I can see where the heat is in a fire. And there's a joystick in the cab that controls that turret. So within seven seconds, we can be flowing water with a significant more reach because that 45 gallons per minute as two firefighters pull out of the back of the, car- the crew cab with out their line. And when they're ready to go interior, then obviously we, we disengage the pump on the turret, charge the hand lines on whichever right or officer side or driver side as they're going interior. So I've used the example that it's a scalpel versus a bone saw. You know, and that's what it is, is you know scars from rotator cuff surgeries, knee surgeries, they've gotten smaller over time. And I think that's kind of what ultra high pressure has the, has the potential to be, is I can go interior and I can be much more surgical with that line. Because I'm just more nimble with it, you know. So, wow,
0: that is a, that's a great that is actually a great analogy. It's a scalpel, not a uh, not a bone saw. Yeah, because that's a so, that's it's a little graphic, but no, but but it really yeah. is. It 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 uh it really does speak to how the tool is used and, and, and to be quite, you know, and the way we were instructed at the summit to use it was in that manner. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it it wasn't a bulldozer for lack of better term. It it was, you know, it's a sniper rifle, you know, we're going in there and you're, you're sniping out that fire and you're erasing all that heat. And and no, it was, that's actually a really, really good way to put it. Uh, Another point
1: that I'm sorry. Yeah. Just one other thing that popped into my head too, just about the ease of use. One of those videos during that, uh, that CFI research project, um, and again, ATF does not endorse products or any specific manufacturer, but some history on that is we were able, lucky enough for a gentleman, uh, special agent Bill Fulton, to be able to um, kind of do some ride-alongs and, and see that Middleton was having a lot of success with this. So he wanted to do a, you know, ag- we'll call it industry agnostic study on ultra high pressure um, and again, no endorsement, but ultra high pressure versus the means of conventional smooth bore, auto fog, et cetera. So when you and I are talking about these independent studies, um, obviously they were using equipment from Middleton and Middleton as a customer of HMAs. One of these burns that we were talking about where I measured all the heat and everything else was, it was a two story residential. And the second division was, had four room and contents fires, uh, throughout the day. The final burn of that, um, of that day was the ad corner and the cd corner and we let temperatures get really hot and you can see exactly where when we're flowing there's a red and green indicating light to be able to show when we're flowing and you can see which room is being flowed into so you can see the ad corners getting water cd corners getting water etc there were four of us at the top of that stairwell and again two room and contents fires a well involved working fire heavy furniture heavy fuel load and you know the second that you take our nozzle which is doesn't have a lot of nozzle reaction force in general when you move that to a fog like you said it takes the fight out we were leaning into the room and with one arm kind of at, a, at an awkward angle painting that room z pattern you know, t pattern whatever just moving it trying to paint that room and then hey we need to hit the cd corner and so we literally just as i'm sitting there crouched turn around at an awkward angle and pass the hose line back to the team that was attacking CD. So we don't need to get up and reposition ourselves. It's, 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 it's about as nimble as you can get and just literally pass the nozzle as if you're passing a baton to someone and then they were able to do fire attack in that entire burn, that last part we've. It's just, it's staggering when you watch the video because it's, how can you take down two compartment room and contents fires with less than 100 gallons of water? And I would say that we were probably even not being as aggressive as we, as we normally would be if we were going for extinguishment. It was a test burn. You know, we wanted to see, you know, what the temperatures could get up to. So it just, it, it's a great video to watch. And Special Agent Fulton um, just did a tremendous job and through the help of, of Middleton and Chief Harris and everyone else to, to be able to pull that off. So really enlightening videos.
0: We, and it's something I want to point out to, to the people that, could, that should be listening to the podcast is, and, and you brought up a couple of different things, uh, one with the deployment stuff. Like you said, you, you said earlier that you would never replace an engine, right? Mm. And that's, that's the truth because – and, again, I've been to Middleton, right? I know your firehouse, by the way, one of the most beautiful firehouses I've ever been in. Yeah, I appreciate uh,
1: that. Very yeah, lucky.
0: Uh, very lucky. Uh, but it's got a ladder truck, a heavy squad, a couple engines, a couple brush trucks. But it's got those UHP vehicles in it, too. So you still do a traditional response to back these UHP units up. Absolutely. Uh, it's not, it is not it is not replacing a traditional fire response. What it is doing is hopefully getting to the scene faster, making an impact faster with maybe even less manpower mm-hmm. to be able to make an impact and, like you said, better serve the citizens. Right. But Robbie, you're – 36 That I think I heard you say. 36, um?
1: yep. So I'm 37, so you're going to understand this as well. Do you remember NHL or hockey on the old school Nintendo? Yes. So think of like your team makeup. You had the really big guys that were slow but could bowl everybody over, the medium guys, and then you had the little guys that were just lightning on the ice. Yes. That's how I equate it as well. You know, it's we can be faster and we can be kind of the advanced team, if you will, but get there soon. You know, throw water on it. Yeah. And your homeowner your property owners, they want you to get there to flow water, but you're right. We've got, you know, ladder truck. We've got a tender in our, in our main station with 3000 gallons of water. We've got an engine and our heavy rescue, because that's our predominantly, you know, response to vehicle fires or, you know, it's our tactical truck. Um, but it's our heavy rescue obviously. So we've got, um, six hydraulic tools that are powered off of the PTO as well. So we can make a good response, but on vehicle fires as well, some of these videos and these summits that we do, uh, You know, we're talking three, four, five gallons of water on a car fire because you can get up there with a a fog pattern and just literally with that paintbrush, just, you know, paint away the fire almost.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I, when I, I, you know, of course have the average Jake firefighter blog and I blogged about the, uh, and I have, I took a video while I was there. One of the times I was outside the very few times about in a room I'm sitting, sitting right next to Bill Fulton and Mm. he's like the, and he's talking about the room was 1800 degrees at the floor and mm-hmm. these guys took this UHP line transitional attack and they knocked this fire out in about 30 seconds mm-hmm. you know which 1800 degrees at the floor mm-hmm. who knew who knows how much it was up at the top of the ceiling or in the middle of the room and they right. knocked this thing out in about 30 seconds and i believe Aaron Harris said that when he looked at the video they only used about like 10 gallons of water. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, if it's a 20 gallon per minute system flowing for 30 seconds, yeah, yeah, you're going to uh, be around 10 to 15 gallons of water. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's,
0: it's, it's and, nuts. And, and one of the things to talk about, is like, we're not talking about it. When I saw these things, we're not talking about what like, like knock back or anything like that, or even knock down. I'm talking about like, we, like that fire went out. It was mm-hmm. extinguished. They transitioned inside just to make sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. We were, we're not talking about like, oh, we knocked it back and we bought ourselves a little bit of time. No, this fire went completely out. Well, and I um, think,
1: too, you know, when you look at uh, something that like Steve Kerber and the guys from UL, they're talking about, you know, when they're bouncing water, you know, smoothbore and you're hitting the ceiling and it's raining down, they still talk about you know, there's, there's heat absorption, there, there's BTUs being knocked down as you're flowing, but you still need to hit the what's actually on fire, right? Absolutely. So as you're making a transitional attack, you know, get as much of it down as you can. And you're right, we get we knock it back, if knock it down, da- knock, we knock it back if we don't knock it down. Once we the speed at which we can reposition ourselves from exterior to interior matters. And so when we get in there, you know, and, and you have a tick, you know, and you know, Andy Starnes, I've been watching a lot of his content as well. Oh, yeah. You know, to be able to look at thermography and everything else. And, you know, a lot of that basement fire I was talking about earlier, I had I had my my tick in my left hand and my my UHP line in my right hand. So to be able to look in there to see if you have hot spots behind the drywall or, the, you know, the sheetrock. The great thing about this is our systems on a straight stream. A lot of phone calls I'm trying to. Pushing off okay. the voicemail, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to Robbie, guys. Um, but as I cut a hole in the drywall and say there is fire above me or you know on a on a on a wall in the room, I can cut that hole, move it to a fog, and then just put it right up in there. And then you're getting that sprinkler effect, that kind of cellar nozzle, that piercing nozzle mentality. Was it's so easy to use? Cut a hole, put on a fog, and just shove it up in there, and you know, kind of move. So that the idea of being able to do that, but then that fog pattern, when you open it up to a wide fog, you know, you run your hands and it feels like silk. You know, we did our our annual fundraiser, our, uh, our block party for Middleton, and we had kids coming up and, you know, uh, they just run their hands through that, that very fine mist. Um, And that's, that's kind of just shows you the extremes of what this thing can do when using very small, efficient drops of water. Well,
0: and that was one of the most impressive things I did see was that when you put that thing on a tight, straight stream, Mm -hmm. it would cut through drywall. I mean, Mm -hmm. it would, it would just completely demolish it. And that would make like that. I mean, I can just imagine again, especially in a low manpower situation, how that makes that overhaul process just so much easier Right. And, you know, it it just it was like it was a very, very impressive tool, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So so this leads me to this. Right. And it's the question that I don't have an answer for. Like when, when we came back, I presented all this stuff to my fire chief and he was like, OK, it looks great. I showed him videos like, you know, I got the access to the Vimeo site and all those sure. things. And I showed him all these cool videos, showed him videos I took. We talked about it. He goes, OK, here's what you have to 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 tell me and sell me on. Is how can if I get if I get this UHP I get it and I put it on our next engine, but we also have the traditional stuff. We have the regular inch and three quarter, the crosslays two and a half. How can I make that firefighter pick the HMA UHP line versus that traditional line? How can we make how how can we change the culture of the fire service to go this is an this is the UH, I need to use the UHP line versus using the inch and three quarter.
1: You know, that, that's a great question. That's kind of a sticky question, but I think it's actually kind of a simple answer. You got to give them the choice. You got to train with it. And you got to see, you have to flow with it with your own two hands and see what that's like. You know, I can talk and I've been in sales. I used to think sales was a dirty word, but you know, because you know, being in banking and everything else, but once you realize that you're really just passing on information and you're trying to be just a good person that answers someone's question and be helpful, you know, so I'm not going to try to sell anyone on this. I'm not going to be pushy. I can talk all day long. We've been talking for, you know, 37 minutes, you know, and and yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of new information that's going out, but until, and I, and I have the best job when I, when someone reaches out to me to talk about uh, ultra high pressure, HMA in general, I get to talk fire with some of the most progressive thinking people out there and like, Hey, you know, in our area in New Mexico, in our area of Alabama in our area of Iowa, we're usually the ones that try something first and before other people jump on board. So I have people that are at the forefront of thinking. So they're already kind of have that wrapped around, Hey, change is coming. We want to be a part of it. I can talk to those guys all day long. I always follow up with those same videos that I sent you, but until they get it in their hands and someone's able to pull it from the rear of the truck, from the officer side of the truck and to do a training burn or to actually see how easy it is. And then you press an electric rewind button on the hose reel to be back in service in 30 seconds and to be on your way. I mean, how many calls, how many times in your career have you been on a call and another call came in? You know, I mean, it's,
0: it's a whole oh, it ha- feeling, It happens, right? all, it happens yeah. all the time. It happens yeah. probably every so, day.
1: Yeah. So you're going to either, if you're going to do the AAA or just get it back in, hopefully you got another trade that's already ready to go. So that's not only speed of attack and speed of deployment, but how quickly can you get back into ready status? That's another just great point. Until people move that, and I'm out there doing a demo and say, okay, pull it. You know, I want you to flow as you go, and then once you get to that point on the, on the driveway or the apron of the station, move it to a fog, move it around. You know, okay, now I want you to put it back in service. You know, and so they just walk the handle up, they put it on the tailgate or on the ground, hit the rewind button, try to, try to get a tight reel, you know, try to roll on that, and that hose line. And then that's when light bulbs start going off. Again, videos, conversations, that's all part of it. But until someone actually gets there and, you know, we're we're a young industry in ultra high pressure. So I think as more of our units are being sold, which we have a great pipeline, we're super excited um, of a lot of the things that are coming. But until I can be in all those spots and you know, setting up dealers and pe- training people on how to use it. But until I can put that nozzle in somebody's hand or they come to Middleton to do a summit or we do a remote summit in a different state and five or six, seven departments come to use it. That's when light bulbs go off. Iowa has been a great state for us because we've done a couple of summits there and we're getting a lot of interest and, you know, other states in general. But when people flow, the light bulb
0: goes off. I got you. So, okay, so we kind of answered that question. And and I agree with you that and I I wouldn't say I was a naysayer to it before I came out there. Uh, I was bought in on the science. I wasn't necessarily bought in on the application. Of it. Mm-hmm. But once, like you said, once I put it in my hand, I, I was pretty well sold that this is a valuable tool and needed to be talked about in the fire service. Mm-hmm. So, so we talked about why should I pick that UHP versus the inch 3 quarter line. Now, this will give you the opportunity to be the salesman. Hmm. Uh, why should I pick HMA? Because there are some other vendors out there. I don't want to – I'm not as familiar with them as I am with the HMA product. But sure. I know there's other things out there I've seen some demos at at FDIC for mm-hmm. other ultra high pressure stuff or high pressure lines why why hma why why are you guys the leading uh you know i guess manufacturers of this and, and why should i why, if I'm looking at UHP, should I put you on my engine or my attack pumper or whatever versus some of these other guys?
1: Yeah, sure. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to speak not
0: against anybody else. I'm going to talk
1: about what we do. That's how I want to frame my answer. Absolutely. I, I just, I, you know, there's in, in an industry like this, a lot of us have background in the fire service. So they're brothers and sisters, right? No doubt. So I don't want to go out there and say, hey, I'm better than these guys. Guy. <laughs> but, you know, I think. When I came into this company, you know, like I said, about three months ago, we have an unbelievable guy that heads up our production, that has been building fire trucks, you know, squad cars, and all that other stuff before he came here. This guy was born with a wrench in his hand, uh, Matt Carpenter, and he is just fantastic. Not only is he extremely capable on building things, but he's also very passionate about taking care of these units. He knows, and he, you know, he's a former Marine, I guess I shouldn't say former Marine. He is a Marine. Um, and so his passion is in these units. So nothing leaves our production floor until we're comfortable with it. Now, you know, the company was purchased by uh, the Rob, uh, Bob Robbins, and, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, right before FDIC. So we have an ownership change. So the last year and a half and specifically the last 90 days, you know, we've been able to bring in kind of the, the dream team, if you will. Greg Fillett, uh, who was part of the initial testing um, at the Tyndall Air Force Base, where we looked at okay, what is the most optimized flow, 20 gallons per minute at 1450. And it doesn't have quite the reach as a 30 gallon per minute. But so we've been there since the very start of when ultra high pressure really started the, you know, people said, Hey, what can this thing do? Because it all came down to, like I said, a lot of air force bases, because when you throw 6% foam with these tiny particles of water as well, it just absorbs heat extremely fast. So I think we've been there since the beginning is one. Um, And, you know, as far as service and everything else, you know, we're just, again, our own service level agreements and our own internal policies is, you know, it's, we call you back. And if you're having an issue, you know, we want to make sure that you're hundred percent on it. And, you know, there's and like, like nothing's ever going to be perfect for someone. Right. And so it, but if something pops up, you know, my sales background, if you will, the relationship management, I'll call it customer service mentality is I just, and I'm the youngest of three. So I just want everybody to be happy. Right. Right. Now. So, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not willing to have a very difficult conversation with someone. Um, but, at that same point, my end result is how do we come out of this so that you get what you want, we get what we want, you know which is you know could just be a happy customer, but it's that is that level um of what we're wanting to do with our customers, and you know I've been using it since two thousand and twelve, so we have a lot of just we have a lot of help, you know, like I said, Middleton has been great, and again, I've got to be careful with which hat i i uh, I wear. But we've been able to do a lot of R&D and think out, hey, what do we want to change? How are we going to get better? Very open to feedback. And I, I still sleep at night if, if someone tells me, hey, you guys got to change this. Or, you know, we're just, like I said, very open to, hey, how can we get better? What do you need from us to make you feel good about this? And I think too, some of the little things, right? Water's not going to leave our system at higher than 1850 psi. That's important. Again, it's the safety of your victims or people that are trapped in a car or could be in a room in contents fire, and you know the fire hasn't gone in and they're not, you know, if they're still alive, that's very good. But we think about how is this going to impact the end user? Does it make sense with how this system is set up? And we want to continually change. And I think also, you know, we're being very proactive in reaching out with people and we're trying to help grow the industry. So there's just there's a level of commitment that, that I know that we have to our customers. And again, everyone is going to be committed to their customers, too. So I'm not talking poorly about anybody else. But, you know, we we think about some of those small things and, hey, how can we make this better? So hopefully that answered and that was Completely, completely not, not, answered not, the question. Not, not, not too soft of an answer because I think the <laughs> technology speaks for itself. But right. I think it's just our, our commitment. And I'm never going to look at a fire chief and tell them something that's that's only going to benefit HMA. I'm just going to lay it out. Hey, right. this is what it is. This is our system. And this is. Hey, I think this is would help you versus you know the ideas you were thinking of or you know I, I, it's hard without going into in it a very specific example, but. I'm not going to bullshit someone just to make a sale, right because I could be you know my brothers in Alabama, you know, not literally brothers, but um, someone in the fire service in Alabama, they need to have a perfectly functioning unit, and i'm not going to tell them something that um, that that just because that's what I want to tell them they get the truth so
0: yeah no, that's a perfect answer, and I think it leads to two words that i that I really think are. Pivotal in the fire service, and that's credibility and integrity. And I right. know just from the experiences that I've had with both HMA, Middleton Fire, that that's, you know, you're bringing both to the table uh, when you're talking about the product that you're that you're out there and the tactics that you're using. You mm-hmm. you have you personally have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what sets you apart from maybe some other companies out there. Again, not to talk bad about other companies, right. I'm sure there are other companies that have skin in the game, but you specifically have skin in the game with with HMA and yeah. ultra high pressure, and that makes what you say you're not going to give someone a crap answer because right. you're that that is going to you know because your brothers and sisters depend right. on you doing the right thing, and yeah, so and I think that really speaks to to the to the company and yourself.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, and no, I think too it just. I've there, there's not much that I haven't done with the system too. So I can answer a lot of those technical questions. Hey, how do you guys do this? But I've, I've always been the guy, like I said, to kind of run towards help. But I remember there was one time when chief was asking for, Hey, I want to see what this system will do on a person. So we started from like 20 feet away on a straight stream and I was wearing my bunker gear. Um, You know, I had, I was masked up, I was on air and, you know, glancing blows to mimic what if this stream did come across somebody and never did I ever feel like I was going to get knocked over. I mean, you feel it, but, you know, he came across, we said, Hey, I'm going to do your face mask as well. So I felt that stuff come across. I felt that ultra high pressure straight stream come across the mask, across the body and everything else. So, you know, Everything from using it on a fire ground to the what-ifs could happen. Again, there's, there's not much that, that we haven't experienced that I can't say, hey, this is how we used it. Or, nope, that's actually not correct. This is actually absorbing the same amount of BTUs as 150 GPM you know, smoothbore, but using one-fifth of water. Right. You know, or an autofog, one-fourth of water. So right. try to be pretty well-versed in it. You never want to be in a position where you can't answer that. You know, or not answer question, but I'm also know my limitations and I'll throw my hand up. Hey, I don't know, but let me find out.
0: I got you. Yeah. Now, all right. So so as we start to maybe get toward the end uh, of the podcast, uh, what uh, what is on the horizon for HMA, UHP, Middleton Fire? What's out there? What's the future of all of this stuff?
1: Yeah, no, and I think you know I'll I'll frame that question for for HMA more more than than for Middleton Fire, but absolutely, you know we are we've standardized a lot of stuff we've got a we we are producing a lot of good units, obviously, but I think more than anything we just need to see the growth, right? So we're going to be at a lot of trade shows. I want to do as many demos as possible with people while still you know being there for my wife and and three little kids within reason, but we are at the stage of growth, right? That's why I came on board was to really see, okay, what is this going to do? I would love to get a chance um, to do some independent research. Um, So maybe look at uh, just finding some different, whether it's a grant or something else, but I want more data because I think that in today's day and age, you know, people can read about it, but our attention spans are what, like 17 seconds? You know, yes, so when I, when I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I put, actually, probably 10 seconds. When I, when I put something out on, on Facebook and I, and I, and I do a promotion of a video or something like that, I can see which videos are getting the most, the most play. And I've got about, and, they, and they'd say, hey, for, you get a thousand or 10,000 10 second views. So someone, I've captured their attention for 10 seconds. So I am really just a believer in content marketing. I want to put out great content so that people can see it and would love to have some town hall style things where it is more of a Q and A so that instead of, I use the term keyboard commando and, you know, it's naysayers, but Hey, no, let's ask, ask the questions, you know, don't be afraid to ask the question and look me face to face. I'm not going to be screaming, but I genuinely. Of what this thing can do, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always gonna be more product development. How can we make it better? You know, we're coming up with a more of a standardized PTO-driven system. Um, we really want to have something just look nice and shiny and, and drop in just like our skid units, because um, we can do either a droplet, which is everything minus the water tank, to a skid unit, where you have onboard or you know a tank from anywhere from one to two hundred gallons typically is, is what we'll put on a skid. Um, And then obviously we want to start to incorporate more into the, the trucks transmission and PTOs, et cetera. So that's kind of a glimpse without getting too
0: detailed. So no, awesome. Awesome. So you talk about some, doing some of these, uh, you know, more trainings, more research, all that stuff, anything, any of those on the horizon, any more summits coming up, where can we, if people are interested, where can they find the information for this stuff?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, more than anything, our Facebook has been very active, but our website, there's a, you can fill out some information to put in like a contact form submission And, uh, you know, it's best part of my days when I get to pick up the phone and call someone that said like, Hey, I saw your video on Facebook and my firefighter, you know, told me to give you a call, you know? So those are great conversations. So I love to be able to reach out to people. Um, obviously just my cell phone is if I'm not, you know, with my family or, you know, for the times that I'm able to be at the station on a call, I typically will answer my phone. So, um, but I, I love talking fire with people and I love just explaining just like this conversation, you know, this isn't, this isn't uncommon for, for me to have a 50-minute a conversation with someone. Just, we just get into it, and we start talking yeah. about fire and about their <laughs> district. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, that, that's, that's kind of like our district. Or, hey, I get it, you know, grass applications. It, we've talked just a ton about structural firefighting. The same concepts here apply for wildland and everything else, right? So, yeah. you know, why I said I was been so close, and, and there's just a lot of people say, hey, we don't get that many house fires, but we get a lot of grass and brush fires. The concept or the, the principle, the physics of what our water droplets do, remember I said surface area, the same thing applies when you're doing a fire line from an ATV or you're pumping and rolling off of a brush truck. If you're in the officer's seat and you're on a fog and you're trying to you know, do a fire line, those water droplets are going to stay on the fuel load more than just hitting the dirt. Right. So it's going to coat things a lot more. And, you know, the water can get into the flow path and it's not going to do a 90 degree turn if there's a tree or something else like that. It's not air, Mm -hmm. but it is it's going to get up and you see the particles of water, you know, kind of traveling in the air a little bit more. So it's extremely effective for brush. And that same concept of cutting through drywall, you know, for someone that has a brush, our systems can take class A, class B, A, triple F foam. So if you need to cut into that topsoil a little bit, it's not going to go a foot down, you know, but you're going to be able to get foam on that undergrowth. If something's burning underneath, that's a huge advantage too. Um, just the same concept, whether you're going deep on something. I've, I've been standing on top of a hay bale on a straight stream, you know, flowing into another hay bale. And it's not like a lightsaber. It's not cutting the thing in half but it's definitely getting in there, especially when you add foam to it. So, you know, I guess I kind of maybe forgot to talk about that in the last 50 minutes and tried to force it in there, but.
0: Oh no, that's okay. That's, yeah, that's a great yeah. thing because there's a lot of, because, if you look at the, the, the data, you know, talking about today, we're not going to, you know, historically in America, we're not going to as many house fires as we are, but brush yeah. fires that, you know, use in Cal, I mean, the big thing on the news has been the car fire in California. Uh, the right, past yeah. couple of weeks. So, I mean, you know, that there definitely is an impact in a, in a market for that. Um, sure, absolutely. So, so, all right, as yeah. we, as we begin to start to, where can we find, you know, I know you're on social media, everything like that, but tell the listeners where they can get in touch with you, Facebook, any social mm-hmm. media stuff, anything like that.
1: Yeah. Facebook, obviously, uh, HMA fire,
0: HMA fire suppression, um,
1: My cell phone number is 608 960 3354. Um, And obviously, our website is hmafire.com. So, but we're primarily most active on on Facebook. Um, We've put some definitely some stuff out on on Twitter. Uh, Usually, when I post something on Twitter or or YouTube as well, um, it's able to copy and kind of post across those platforms. So, but yeah, that's it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Oh, and I'm sorry, my my, my
1: email email address ewing. So, uh, E is an Evan, and then Wing like a bird, which I always get made fun of when I say
0: that <laughs> at at hmafire dot com. Outstanding. Well, Evan, it's been a great, great interview, and and I I think you know. Again, UHP, and, and just in, in general, going out to Middleton, meeting you, meeting everybody, and just, I, I don't say this lightly, that it was one of the best trainings I've been to in my fire service career. It it really, like, in a day where they say the brotherhood is dead, that, mm-hmm. and not, not in Middleton, <laughs> Wisconsin, I can assure yeah. you. Uh, Yeah,
1: that's a great compliment. And we're lucky. I mean, Chief, Chief Aaron Harris, he's was pretty much born in a fire department and born in a TV broadcasting studio. So when you look at a lot of the content, the videos that he's made, uh, it just, it it shows, because again, video is going to show it, you know, so it's, we are extremely lucky. Our, our leadership is fantastic. And our fire department, like I said, we're all very much positive thinkers and more than anything, we all get along you know, I mean, it's, it's not, everyone's going to be best friends, you know, whatever, but it's, we all have a very good professional working relationship and we just respect each other. So I think, but for 120 of us to, to get along as well as we do. And then, you know, it's, we couldn't do that if we didn't have the right leadership group intact. So I appreciate 100%. you saying that. Yeah. hundred
0: awesome. percent. Well, thank you very much. And for coming on the podcast, it's been great. And, uh, we'll be right back right after this. Thank you, Robbie. What a tremendous interview with Evan Wing from HMA and Middleton Fire District. Uh, Evan is a natural. It was really easy to talk to. He could talk for hours uh, about HMA and about ultra high pressure. And I think we may have to do a part two with him because there's so much more out there. I think you did a really good job and it's very difficult for him. He's a natural doing it, but it's super difficult for him to speak because he's wearing multiple hats. He works for the company. He also utilizes the tool. But like I spoke about in the interview, to me that gives him skin in the game. It gives him uh, credibility when he speaks about these things. He's not just selling the stuff. He's using it. When he goes to the firehouse, he's using this tool So and tactics. So I think that just, that to me makes it, so much more believable, so much more real that he's got skin in the game when he's talking about this stuff. So I can't thank Evan enough. Make sure you guys go on Facebook and and uh, friend Evan, friend HMA, get on YouTube, get on Vimeo, look for all these UHP videos. Cause like he said, seeing's believing, uh, go out there. If they put on an ultra high pressure training summit, go out there and put your hands on the stuff. It was one of the best experiences I ever had in the fire service. It was one of the best trainings. I learned so much about water application, learned so much about why water does what it does, learned more science, learned more fire behavior, and of course met some tremendous, tremendous brother and sister firefighters out there. Uh, You know, just awesome, awesome stuff. But as we always do at the end of the podcast, uh, I cannot do what I do without the support of some great, great people and companies. Uh, First off, Vanguard Safety Wear, the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove. They are made for work. I've been using the MK1 since FDIC 2018, and I can tell you I've I've had the opportunity to have a couple fires with them. They get better after every fire. So do yourself a favor. Go to VanguardSafetyWear.com and pick you up a set of MK1 gloves. In fact, you know what? Get more than one because with these things, if they ever wear out, you're going to want more than one set of these gloves. They're that good. They also have rescue gloves. They're coming out with a new MK glove. I believe they're going to call it the MK Ultra or the MK2. I'm not 100% sure there. But go to the website. Go to VanguardSafetyWear.com and make sure you pick up their rescue gloves. Make sure you pick up their fire gloves. These things are made for work. Another great company that I'm associated with, fireandironclothing.com. Fire and Iron Clothing is a public safety focused clothing company that wants to motivate you and inspire you to get out there and get in shape. These clothes are good for the gym. They're good for a night out on the town. They're good for a day at the park. They're comfortable. They are great. You know, some of these clothes out there that once you sweat in them once, they smell like sweat forever. Not these things. They are great, great, great to wear. They're comfortable. So go to www.fireandironclothing.com. And when you go, make sure you use the code AverageJake, A V G J A K E. That'll let them know. It might get you a little bit of a discount. It'll also let them know that you've been listening to the Average Jake Firefighter podcast. And lastly, a brand new uh, company that has just been tremendous to deal with, Taylor's Tins. They make custom metal helmet shields. I've been looking at getting a helmet shield for so long, a new one, because we have these leather ones with the passports, and they just they, they wear out. They get smoke on them. you know. They burn up. They get soaked with water. They just don't last. So I've been looking at a different alternative. I've been wanting to get something different. I've seen some of these other options out there, these pressed leather or cut leather ones, and it just wasn't really speaking to me. And then I stumbled across Taylor's Tins on Instagram, and he was making some of the most beautiful metal shields and leather or, or fronts, for lack of a better term, and they looked awesome. I emailed him. He hooked me up with a beautiful metal front. I mean, it is one of the best things I've ever seen. I thought it looked good outside of the package when he sent it to me. Then I put it on my helmet and it looked even better. So do yourself a favor, head over to www.taylorstins, that's T A Y L O R S. T-I-N-S.com, Taylor'sTins.com, and stop burning up those leather fronts and start wearing Taylor's Tins. He's great to work with. He'll build something custom for you. He's got a ton of examples on Facebook. He's got a ton of examples on Instagram, on his website at Taylor'sTins.com. Make sure you are, if you're looking for a new front, make sure you're going to Taylor'sTins.com. You will not be disappointed. And that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you. Make sure that if you are liking what you hear, you rate it on iTunes. Give it that five-star rating. Leave a review. It helps people find us. Uh, retweet it if you see it on Twitter. Tell your friends uh, and just give some feedback. I love hearing that people you know, are enjoying the podcast or enjoying the content. It's great stuff. Make sure that you visit all the other people that I've talked about, all the great companies that support me, all the great people that support me. And as I say at the end of all these podcasts, make sure you're getting those three hours in every day. One hour in the gym working on your physical fitness, one hour in the library reading something about our profession, watching YouTube videos. Head over to YouTube, watch those HMA videos and UHP videos so that you can be more educated about this topic that that you just listened to and make sure you're spending one hour doing some sort of hands-on training. If you do that, you'll be a pretty phenomenal firefighter. Thanks again, and stay safe.